That's So Millennial, a podcast about style, home, tech, business, and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. I'm Jenna from Jenna Shangled Studio. And I'm Jessica from Style Local. Hey guys, welcome back to episode four of That's So Millennial. How is it already episode four? It's craziness. That's wild. This week, we have an interview for you guys. Um, Jessica, why don't you tell folks about Nicole? Yes, I think y'all are going to love it. So um, our interview guest today is Nicole, and you might know her on Instagram as uh, previously Nico So Lovely, and now um, it's just her first and last name, Nicole, Nicole Barone, I think. Uh-huh, Barone. Um Exactly. And basically we talked to her all about the business of blogging, utilizing Instagram as a platform for that, what it's like balancing that with being a first time new mom, uh, how to get started, some tips on making yourself stand out and all that kind of good stuff. Yay. Well, we're going to jump right in. Well, Nicole, it's nice to meet you. My name's Jenna, um, the other half of the podcast. The two J's. Uh, Thank you. Jumping right in, why don't you tell us a little bit about your kind of your background, your story? How did you get into blogging? Um. Ooh, okay. So blogging. Uh, well, the first time I got into blogging was oh my gosh, that makes me sound so old. <laughs> Over a decade ago, <laughs> um, and that was like I think the only host then was like blog spot or some some, something like that I think people still use it but I mean um at the time I had a desk job and my best friend and I created um a website called your baby is an asshole which is really ironic right now um we made fun of babies it was kind of in the vein of fu penguin and we did that because we both had desk jobs that we like hated so we want to do like a comedy thing during the day that like brought us joy and it got pretty popular for a while. We actually were written up by the New York times for it. Um, and so, so then we both just got jobs that we couldn't keep up with it. I heard, um, that blogger. What? I'm pretty sure that I heard about that blog or slash Reddit. Like that sounds really familiar. Yeah, it was, I don't, I mean, it was just like, I don't even, back then you couldn't really track how people, or at least you probably could have, but I just had no idea how to, needed yeah. my friend of like, who was really looking at it. And, you know, this is before Instagram and Facebook, or I think Facebook had just launched around then, like publicly, besides if you like to anyone outside of college. That's um, right. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I I got different jobs and I was writing, um, pretty much reviewing live concerts for bands and interviewing artists and musicians and bands in Los Angeles. And I just started kind of my own blog, sort of keeping tabs of um, just what was going on in my life and kind of the dating world. Because a little bit before then, I had gotten out of a relationship where I, this is so weird, this really makes me, these are things I don't think about. And then like, it just backstories. Um, totally. I dated a European pop star. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay, that's a part of the story. And like, <laughs> and like all his like little fans, like kind of like became my little fans for a while there because I was oh. really just uh, open with them and like kind of accessible. Yeah. And so they started following that blog that I wrote about. And I kept that up when I left LA, moved to Portland the first time. Um, and I just kind of did it for fun and would write about kind of my dating experiences. And, um, then it kind of turned more into wardrobe styling stuff since I kind of shifted gears and was doing a lot of that. Um, but I got off, you know, Blogspot eventually and, uh, pretty much just switched gears. I want to say, hmm maybe five or six, five years ago, it's right around when Instagram started that I switched over to Squarespace mm-hmm. and started blogging from there when I was still um, working as a wardrobe stylist in Los Angeles. It was just, mm-hmm. it was just kind of really hard then because it was kind of more focused on my Squarespace. It was mostly just my wardrobe styling portfolio as opposed to like personal blogging. And then with that transcend, when we moved up to Portland two and a half years ago, 
And I started really just blogging more regularly, like fashion stuff, lifestyle stuff. And then, of course, when I got pregnant, that turned into like mommy stuff. So, so have you been weird? Yeah, no, this is fascinating. Um, And you said you started kind of by sharing, obviously, the humor, you know, all that was first. And then you said you started sharing um pieces of your wardrobe styling portfolio and then you started with when you were dating the pop star which I just love that part of the story you were (laughs) starting to share parts of your personal story have you has that always kind of come naturally to you because I know that even now a lot of that side of things you know which I think helps you mm, a loyal audience too yeah, I I mean, I try to, but I don't try to. I think I was way more open when I was younger. Um, this is like, I mean, I, that was when I was, I'm 32. Yeah, 32. Yes, I'm 32 now. <laughs> and that was like, when I was like 23, 24. So I think then I didn't really... I wasn't like seeing anything outrageous or outlandish, but I also probably wasn't doing the best job of like protecting people's identities and being respectful to them and what I was writing about. And I think that's just something that I've tried to be more cautious of as I've gotten older. Like, you know, even just my husband, he's not the most public person. So, you know, I ask his permission, like, Hey, can I take a photo of you with the baby and put it on a blog or put it on an Instagram post? Cause he just likes his privacy too. Like back then I wouldn't have even asked, I just would have done it. Um, so I think back then I was probably way more open and I mean, I definitely, you know, got people's attention, but you know, the, the internet has just changed so much that like, even back then, like people, I mean, I don't think I really Googled people back then and people didn't have like nine platforms where you could contact them. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think I've gotten a little more cautious about how much I share. Mm -hmm. And so now that you have become a mom and have like a, you know, some different priorities, how has that changed your focus on the blog? Um, I mean, it's harder. It's way, way harder to get things done. Um, I mean, like, honestly, I haven't showered in two days because, <laughs> like, I just don't have Not even time for it. <laughs> so, so, like, that... Hashtag mom. Yeah, like, I would, like, if I'm going to choose, okay, I have an hour, am I going to work on blogging and all this other stuff, or am I going to take a shower? I'm going to take a shower, um, you know, or, like, eat a whole meal or something like that. So, yeah. it's it's... It's also just interesting because I, I guess I, I, I try to, I feel like I've kind of shifted from more, if I do post things, um, as much as I would like to keep posting like, oh, all these fun, like fashion-y things, I've kind of more selective about the fashion things I post because I think when you're a mom and you do blogging and Instagram and part of it is fashion focused. at least for me, and I feel a lot of other moms feel this way, I will look at some of those women and be like, there's no way that if you're a mom with a baby or running around with a kid that you're wearing that. That's not like a wearable, functional outfit. So like the really cool over-stylized stuff that I would love to post and like still dress up in is just not, I think, real for me to be posting about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure people appreciate that too. Um, and I think it's fascinating. Like, people really use um, social media, whether it's somewhere like public, you know, whether you're kind of whether you're an influencer, or if you're just you know someone with a bunch of friends on Facebook, um, as a place to like to crowdsource to get other people's opinions, to get advice. Like, um, I know that that's you know like while you were in your pregnancy, like, you know, asking for like, what, uh, I don't know, like what moms who are in your community have done in certain experiences. And I think that's such a valuable part of having a tight knit community online. Um, did you, yeah. How did, how did that go? And like, how did your, and I guess, how did your audience kind of, uh, was it like a smooth transition when you started talking about mom life or they just happy for you? I think it was kind of a mix. Um, I definitely was kind of interesting is a lot, not a lot, but like a good amount of the followers that engage with me regularly or send me DMs regularly. um, They got pregnant around the same time. 
So they were kind of in it with me. Um, and that was interesting just because they would constantly ask me like, Oh, if you find this out, like, let me know how it went. I, I mean, I'm so bad. I still need to share like my birth story and why I chose a birth center. Cause I had, you know, once I posted something about switching from a hospital that I had a lot of women DM me, like, I'm so interested on, you know, or like, even when they're like, when I have a kid, like I still can't decide what I'm going to do. And so I think it was a smooth transition. If there, if you're a follower that, you know, it's like stuff you're thinking about for the future. Um, it definitely helped get rid of a lot of the creepy guy followers. Um, <laughs> True. So True. That was a plus. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I was worried about that. That was a big thing for me. Um, I, I have a really close-knit group of bloggers who none of them are moms. Um, and two of them recently just got engaged and they getting married. So I'm kind of like, I think I'm the oldest one in the group, but I'm not sure. Um, but they're like, you know, they're like really, they're full-time bloggers. Um, but it was just kind of interesting because I told them, you know, I was like, please don't let me become one of those mommy bloggers that just like post nothing but like pink photos of babies. <laughs> and like, I just don't let me be that person. Don't let me turn all into pastels and all this other stuff. I was like, that's like not my aesthetic. And I just, I feel like that's just what I see all the time. And I think it was kind of interesting to get feedback from people that I kind of didn't fit into like a generic mommy blogger scenario. Um, and, you know, even with them, you know, they're like, oh, you know, you've done a really good job of, you know, wearing, even when I was pregnant, they're like, you're wearing stuff that isn't technically maternity for the most part. They're like, it's just like a flowy dress that like someone else could wear. Um so I tried to do that a lot. Um, I didn't want to just make this like overnight switch where all I was talking about was baby stuff 24 seven, but it's inevitable because it's such a huge part of your life. Like there's no way around it like at all. Yeah. It only makes sense to be talking about what's happening in your life, regardless of what you're posting about. But speaking of your aesthetic, you know, what would you define that as uh, stylistically? Um, I think, I mean, I think deep down, I really love boho style. I really like, uh, kind of just like cozy, warmer feeling. Um, there was a time there where I think I pushed myself a little too hard with like bolder, brighter colors and just really, and this is before I was pregnant, um, you know, like kind of just, I think I pushed myself to a point where I was trying too hard. It didn't feel as genuine to who I was and even though I think I got good responses from my audience and the followers I had at the time I burnt myself out really quick um so I just kind of fell back into just that kind of like realistic not like bohemian in the sense where I look like a free people people catalog but you know I just like I like flowy clothes and I like I mean I have so many hats it's disgusting um and like boots and just you know wearable stuff layers I like warm tones I just I like stuff that's pretty much more realistic these days than um it's like what people say with a lot of influencers it's like they follow them to either because they're inspiring in the sense like you aspire to be like them like the people on the yachts and all this stuff or they're relatable and so I think these days I want to be more relatable as opposed to like inspiring in the sense of living this like outlandish life. It's a good point. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, that's really interesting. Cause yeah, social media can feel like, especially Instagram can be such a, just uh, can feel like, yeah, truly just like such an ins like uh, inspirational or rather aspirational space. And I feel like people, a large part of the people on the platform now are just are kind of sick of seeing only perfect images. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's nice to see what's real. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It definitely is. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting too. Like a lot of the big bloggers will just say that as well. They're, um, you know, they do a mix of like, you know, a lot of times it's the, if they have a collaboration with, um, a client they'll want like high resolution nice photos but you know a lot of people just like camera photos from your iphone because it looks more real and it's more in the moment and i was really against that for a really long time <laughs> but i kind of just have to deal with it now <laughs> 
Um, So what do you, yeah, I mean, along those topics and um, you mentioned kind of staying true to your, to yourself and not, you know, you mentioned that time where you kind of were trying these brighter colors or, you know, maybe an aesthetic that really wasn't true to you. Um, What would you say, you know, because it's, there are a lot of people who are still starting blogs and I mean, we could go off for a little while about this, but for somebody who is building their brand and is getting track and and is getting traction um, and is kind of dealing with some of those decisions, like, do I, you know, collaborate with this company who's offering me money, but maybe it doesn't, doesn't align with their, their values or, you know, dealing with things like that, or just uh, staying true to themselves and their brand and their vision in general. Um, what advice would you have there? I definitely think you need to stay to your brand and who you are as an individual. I don't think there's anything wrong with if a company that maybe you would never think about working with comes to you. And, you know, I always say like, don't respond right away and just look at the cash dollar signs and say, yes. Um, you know, think about, is this something that Maybe even if it's like something that you're not sure about your audience, it's like something that maybe you never thought of and you think is interesting. And you're like, oh, this is interesting. Like, I never heard of this. This is not a brand I would normally seek out or would think about or a company I would look into. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But um, I don't know if I can put a brand on blast. I've never worked with them. So I don't know if it matters <laughs> or not. But um, I'm going to, I'm this, there's a joke kind of with a lot of bloggers. Um, of the George watch epidemic. Right. And it's kind of like the initiation collaboration, I feel like for bloggers. Um, What was that? Would you, would you actually explain a little bit of how that went down to the, to the listeners? To the, the George watch collaboration. Yeah. Because I will say guys, I was one of them. So I'm curious. Oh, it's funny. I don't. Yes. So, Oh my gosh. They're, they're, they're kind of like the, um, I mean, Daniel Wellington, I feel like was the first of that, but George watch, I feel like is just, I see every, everywhere all the time. Um, so it's a wooden watch company. Um, and sometimes I'll see, you know, I know for a fact, they ask a lot, maybe not everyone, but a lot of times they'll ask bloggers for like multiple posts and a giveaway and a coupon code for their audience. Um, and trade for like one watch. And I'm not saying they're not nice watches. For me, I I turn them down like, I mean, this sounds so pompous, but I turn them down three times because I was like, I'm, you know, this isn't in line with my aesthetic. This is not, I don't wear watches. I have like one watch, I think that I I wear when I go on flights in case my phone dies so I can look at times. But I don't wear watches and I've never worn watches. And I was like, I feel like if I put this on my wrist, my audience is going to be like, what are you doing? Like, this is not your style at all. And it just wasn't worth it to me. Um, I was like, this is literally a watch I'm never going to wear again. And at the time, I was kind of just starting out too. And I was like, well, maybe I can sell it. So I went on Poshmark and I searched George watches. And there were so many for sale. And I was like, okay, like, this isn't, wow. <laughs> this isn't even be worth, worth my time. And, um, you know, I see like new bloggers like posting about the George watch thing. And I think when you're starting off blogging, you really, I understand that it's important to build your resume, um, especially for your media kit and things like that about companies you work with. But if I was consulting for a company, I would be more impressed seeing someone's companies they've worked with, maybe brands that I've never heard of, um, as opposed to just George Watch, George Watch, like all over people's Instagram. So I think it's, I think it's just really important to go like, I mean, first of all, A, it's going to come off it's going to resonate very, very true with your audience if you really don't give a crap about whatever you're promoting. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's going to show off in the caption, like your authenticity of what you write about isn't going to, or your style or your humor, however you word things is just going to seem so forced that, you know, if you don't like watches, then you talking about a watch is probably not going to come naturally for you to be talking about something like that so I think it's like important to think about that like can I really do a post about this that is true to me and is interesting and is worth my time because as a blogger and influencer you're 
your time is, is valuable. That's, you know, for writing things, uploading things, taking photos, you know, um, the space on your Instagram feed, like those are all time marks. So I just, me too. I think George watch is like the initiation thing that most bloggers just say yes to right away. But I think people should think about it before they like say yes. That's really valuable. I think that leads me to an interesting next question. How do you determine your value? Um, you know, for example, I have worked with a couple of well-known bloggers and so I know what their rates are and I just, I know that, you know, they're huge, right? So they, what, they can charge outrageous numbers because they can get away with it because there's only one of them. Um, but when you're smaller and still growing your network, how do you determine what your, uh, your value is and your, what's worth your time? So that's something that actually, like in these blogger communities that I'm in, these like Facebook groups, we're constantly talking about, um, you know, for a while there, a lot of people are going off, over off of social blue book, but I wish, I mean, I wish I could charge, you know like $500 for one IG post, like that would be great. Um, But it's just, I probably could have, like if I was in this game like two or three years ago, but it's just, it's so hard now. It kind of depends. I think you have to really, I don't think there's a magical number saying X amount of followers you have and per likes per photo equals this. I think you really have to show your value. Um, something that I've learned that companies are really liking is if you're a business profile is showing your insights mm-hmm. and that kind of just gives a more in-depth feel of like who's viewing what you're doing. And um, you can see like if people save the post, you, you know, you see the actual like people, because not, you know, I do this all the time. I scream, skim through Instagram and I don't like every photo, but I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, well, if I see like that brand again, I'll recognize it and be like, Oh, I've seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think there's a magical thing to it, but I think you have to really sit here and go, what can I, what can I offer that maybe is different and make sure you get payment from a company that's, you know, worth it for you and worth it for them. Um, I mean, I would never pay, like charge a company like, $300 for a post and just take a crappy photo on my iPhone um, yeah. and just send it to them and just be like, Oh, here, like I try to do like, if I have a paid post, I like to be like, okay, for my paid post, I offer, you know, high quality photos that you can repost on social with proper, proper credit to me. Um, I offer a buyout if they want to buy the photo to use for marketing. I offer discounts if they bundle, I offer IG stories or repost on Facebook, like, Pinterest pins, things like that, because mm-hmm. then you can kind of say, okay, like, I may not have the biggest volume, but this is everything you're going to get. And you're going to like, you know, do the social media across the board. And then it's more inclined for them to work with you. So I think if you're going to, you know, if you want to set a number on it, go, okay, this is everything I'm willing to offer and always take into account time. Like for me, a blog post takes one to two hours, no matter what. So don't throw in a blog post for free with like a hundred dollar like collaboration. It'll be like, I'll post five Instagram photos and a blog post for a hundred dollars. Cause it's a ton of work. Yeah. Um, it, you know, you really have to, it's a learning curve. You have to sit there and go, how much time does this really take me to do? And you know, if you're shooting with a photographer, you, how much is it going to cost me to pay this photographer? And things like that. So I think you have to have some trial and error. And I think if you're going to do collaborations for free in the beginning, make notes of all of it, make notes of how long you spend doing all this. You can kind of gauge what it is for you and what, you know, it's worth for you. You can kind of do like, okay, my time is worth X amount of dollars per hour. And it takes me on average to do an Instagram post, to do the photo and editing and caption all that three hours. So then you kind of have like a flat based fee idea. And I mean, it's hard. Like if you're starting off as a new blogger, um, a lot of companies and a lot of like the, I'm trying to think of what they're called, like the the social platforms where you could connect it to brands and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them have like a 10K minimum in order for you to join. So 
that's is where a lot of like I get my bigger payments from Mm -hmm. um, is through those platforms but you do kind of have to work your way up. So I think you have to go, do I want to invest the time in this and maybe do collaborations for free in the beginning so I can build my audience and build my resume, my media kit, and then get to the point where I can start charging money and get paid like actual pretty good money for this. Um, so yeah, that's like the longest answer ever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. And it, it used to good. be, yeah, I mean, I think people are going to love this. Um, and it used to be so much easier to get this traction. Like if you started years and years ago when blogging was first starting to be a thing, maybe you had a better chance at, you know, getting, you know, those people following along earlier on. And now, you know, everyone's an influencer or a blogger, you know, or a photographer, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's crazy. And there's, there's so much saturation now. And, um, I mean, it also allows for, um, like when I'm finding influencers for my social media clients, like they want to work with fashion tech bloggers. So like, it does mean that like I can find those people, but what would you, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for like in a market that is so saturated now, like how do you stand out? Right. Or like, do you think that should be positioning themselves uh, even, you know, just to a crazy amount or what do you have to say about that? I mean, it is so hard cause it is just, it's so saturated now and it is, um, it's such a hustle, but honestly, I think, uh, there, I think there's a couple of things. One is persistence. I know a lot of bloggers or people that think they want to be bloggers, influencers that'll do it for like five or six months and they realize how much work it is and they're over it. So even though they, I feel like they comes in waves. Like I even know some bloggers that had like, you know, we're doing pretty good. And they're just like, I can't do it anymore. And they just stop. And whether, you know, and there's been times when like, even last Monday, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm so exhausted and I just don't know if it's worth it. And I, you know, I doubt doing it, but it's my creative outlet. So I just keep going and going. Um, but it, I think persistence is a big thing because it just comes in waves. Like for every 10 new bloggers or influencers, like probably more than that for every 30, like six months from now, only one of them is going to keep doing it because they realize it's too much work. They think it's an instant buck. They realize it's not. And you actually have to have the drive and the passion to do it. So I think that's one thing is like, if you're set out to do this, if you're starting to do this, really make sure that you're very persistent in what you do. Um, and then as far as standing out, I'm trying to think of like, I just, oh, like bloggers. Huh? I, I just wanted to add, I think it's really interesting too, because blogging is running a small business by yeah. yourself and working for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's always so much harder and so mm-hmm. much more work mm-hmm. than going to a job where they, they pay you to do the work and then you get to go home and it's not your sole responsibility. And if you have a sick day, someone else takes care of your, mm-hmm. your responsibilities. It doesn't work like that in, in the small business world. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot more work than people anticipate, but it's also just an extension of people starting small businesses and other arenas in yeah. the past. Yeah, it's true. You have to be such a self-motivated person and have an entrepreneurial mindset for sure. And I think yeah, just like you, just like more and more bloggers are starting every day. People are trying to start businesses every day, but the percentage of those who are succeeding are still doing it five years later is so slim. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go back. And I think just I was just trying to think of bloggers that are like that I've seen, like newer bloggers that um, really stand out to me. Um, oh man, let me think. Mm-hmm so bad I like I'm like trying to think of like um hmm. you know because that's the thing too is like I see so many newer bloggers that have such cool style and they have the prettiest pictures but I don't know anything about them like I can't sit here and go oh I know something personal about them that makes me like kind of think and connect with them one blogger that I do kind of know some things about because it's not like even that she's really that open but like she's consistent about she posts similar like things is um I think you know her too Jess it's uh Katie Rose and there's numbers after her name like 84 or something but I don't think that's right 
Um, she's she's really cute um and she's like a military wife she's in school she loves like junk food um she loves tj maxx and marshall's and like her dog and you know like those don't sound like the most exciting thing but she's constantly like in her post she's talking about oh god went and did like a taco bell run went to, like she's pretty yeah. consistent about these like simple five things about her that like i remember who she is as a person not just what she wore like i remember her as a person and i think that that's how you if you're an individual um that's kind of how you make your mark as being a memorable person and she doesn't have like i think she i don't even know how many followers she has under ten thousand followers mm-hmm. but like i like she's i remember who she is is like a you know smaller i guess smaller quote-unquote smaller influencer right. and you know she's working with these brands and things like that so that just proves to you that you know you don't have to have ten thousand plus followers to be making money or doing work with brands um i think she did like i think she works regularly now with tj maxx and did like a takeover for them and stuff like that so um yeah so it's just like that like you have to be i think consistent in what you share about yourself to make yourself stand out and it doesn't have to be like crazy facts about yourself like oh i'm like i my parents are in Cirque du soleil and i used to live in rome and like it doesn't have to be this outlandish like interesting stuff it can be simple like Oh, like I constantly post about avocado toast because I know that sounds so like cliche, but I really do love avocado toast. Like it's things like that. It's like, um, the person that I always think of the most is so, there's just so five years ago, I owned an online store and one of the first bloggers I worked with was Thrifts and Threads. Um, who I'm sure, you know, she's huge. She's huge. At the time she wasn't, she had a, a, decent but I think she had like 10k maybe 12 maybe less I don't remember um you know she was then just posting about H&M and Top and Shop but the thing I knew about Brittany consistently first of all she's she was just such a dream to work with she was so sweet and great um so that's always something that's like I think memorable about bloggers is if they're actually nice um but I remember when she was starting out now she's just full fashion but when she started out she always would post like her gel manicures her coffee and going to target with her daughter. And she still does all these things, but she's not posting those photos because she's getting paid by these big brands to post, but she does them on her IG stories, which I think is great. But like, those are really simple, memorable things because she was so consistent about that. Um, And I think it made her relatable. Like, Oh, I love target too. I also get gel manicures. Like I know that's so, Mm-hmm. simple but like people do want to relate to you even if it's on like the most minuscule simplest little thing like that so I think that's how you kind of make yourself memorable in your audience I'm super serious about my nail art I'm yeah like, I like people <laughs> that get really crazy nail art because I want inspiration yeah. oh my gosh like talk about uh finger bang here in Portland a nail studio here in Portland oh my gosh like all they don't have variety in what they post, but they're really good at what they do. And they have like cornered the market here on just like legit badass nail art. I mean, they're not the only place to go to by any means. It's Portland. I mean, she goes to an amazing I go somewhere else because she goes everybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't even go to finger bang, I, but I'm really particular about the exact product they're using because for me right. it's, it's uh, and finger bang has a very limited color supply of the product I like. So I go somewhere else. Right. But, uh, <laughs> the thing is they post consistently just really good photos of their one thing they're really good at. Um, they're a great follow. Did you hear they're opening up a shop in New York? No, that's amazing. Um, the Mecca of nail art. That's great. Um, the one thing that you that came to mind when you mentioned Katie Rose, though, is that even though she didn't have 10,000 followers, she did a collaboration with TJ Maxx, a pretty large brand. And I think that speaks to a lot of just, um, uh, I feel like I talk to a lot of people who are like, I just have to get to 10K, I just have to get to 10K. But mm-hmm. right, if you have a consistent message and if you have brands that you're already really loyal to and you're tagging them, they'll, they'll notice. Yes. Yeah, they will. They totally will. That's how I started working with, who was it that I just recently got to terms with a collaboration with it just because I was 
I tagged them and they just, I don't know. I went on like a little rampage of tagging them and they do, they do notice. Um, so that is important. Like if you do have brands that you really love, it's so important to, to tag them. You know, I, I think that's kind of where people get jaded is it's like, Oh, if I, if I'm not making money for them, should I really promote their brand? It's like, yeah, you should, because if you already are spending your money buying them, you already are promoting them by just wearing their product out in the world. Right. And it could lead to something else. And like your audience will appreciate it. You know, like they'll be like, oh yeah, like I do really like that sweater. Oh, it's from here. Okay, cool. Like it, it gives them a reason to, you know, follow you. And if you are um, loyal with the brands that you work with as well, it makes your audience trust you more. Like if they know that you constantly shop at free people, there's probably a chance that, you know, you're going to be wearing something from free people again. And they know, okay, like this person, like it's, I think in order to have loyalty, you have to show loyalty. Mm -hmm. So, and that just builds the trust with your audience. So I think it's really important to, you know, just be true to products that you actually enjoy and use and things like that. Yeah. Sometimes I think the best brand ambassadors are just people who are already your biggest fans, right? Um, oh yeah totally uh you reminded me of something else there you talk so much about instagram and that's so much where you know i influencers can be found now what do you have to say uh to those people who are curious if they even need a blog um or need a landing page and are just like i'm not gonna even have a website i'm just gonna start an instagram I think it's important to have a blog because A, I think of myself in the sense of when I'm at my computer all day long and the person, if I follow their Facebook page and they link something, I will go and read their blog post if it captures me with a post like that. A lot of people are still on their desktop. I know people are on their phones, but there's some new study that came out, like people are more likely to click like a full link through their desktop than their phone. Um, so I think it's important to have a major landing, a landing page like that. And also your blog will always be your own. And I don't think Instagram is going anywhere, but who knows, like who knows? And, you know, people are freaked out about algorithms and all that now. And the platform of Instagram has changed so much that it could just get to a point where it's not, you know, where people go to for that information anymore. It's so changed that, it's not what people are using to promote products and brands don't want that. The more I work with brands, the more they want a blog post included in a collaboration because they know that that blog will always be there unless you, you know, you don't renew it, but you don't Instagram owns pretty much all your content, at least with your blog, you own it yourself. So I think it's, it's very important to have a blog um, because it is yours and you control it. Mm -hmm. Smart advice. Agreed with you. Um, and I need to <clears throat> go step back a little bit. I meant to ask you this earlier in the conversation. Um, I think that we probably have, you know, millennials listening, but then several who are, who are not millennials themselves. The show is <laughs> a millennial. And some people might still be wondering if, if they haven't figured out by this point, what the hell is an influencer? So how would you define that? So an influencer, I think, is someone who personally, I wouldn't say someone that influences you to buy things, but maybe influences you to creatively think of things differently. Um, there's a lot with, you know, as an influencer, just, you know, we like to say, I don't even really consider myself an influencer, but you know, the thing is, is like, um, you know, we're about brand awareness. We, you know, a lot of times, like that's why with collaborations, we can't be like, yeah, I, I can guarantee X amount of sales is because I can't force my audience to buy your product. It just depends if they like it or not. I can do my best way to show it how I like it and they are following me for a reason. So they would probably like it too, but we're more about, I think, just saying, hey, here's this product. Maybe you've never heard of it. And maybe you are thinking about, you know, maybe you never thought about, I don't know, like, let's just use protein bars, for example. Um, 
you know, there's a million protein bars out there, but maybe my job as an influencer would be like, Hey, I know there's a million protein bars, but here's also a protein bar that doesn't have, cause I have a nut allergy and a lot of protein bars have walnuts in them. So I'd be like, Hey, here's a protein bar that doesn't have nuts in it. It's a nut free, safe for all. Like I have a walnut allergy and I love this cause it's a nut free protein bar. And, you know, I'm sure I have audiences, people in my audience that are also allergic to nuts and they're like, Oh wow. Like I didn't even know that there was protein bars with that didn't have nuts. That's interesting. Or like, Oh, like I didn't even know there were nuts in protein bars. I should probably read the label. Like it's just kind of like, I think our job to make people think of things differently or look at things in a different light. Um, like one of my favorite things is who, what, where is doing this. I think IG story thing right now where they like, they want you to tag how you wear all their pieces differently. And it's, I love that because it just like, I'll get like fashion inspiration just from other people. Like I never thought of wearing a sweater that way, or, you know, maybe I'm not going to go and buy that sweater, that exact sweater, but like, Oh, I never thought about wearing a leopard sweater that way. So maybe I'll try it with those pants instead or this skirt next time. So I think it's just, you know, we're influencers, just creative, um, different thinking people that are just showcasing that. Mm -hmm. Love it. So uh, Jessica might've told you, but uh, at the end of all of our podcasts, we like to talk about a couple of things. But the first one is what's your favorite product right now? What are you using what are you loving? Why, why do you love it? Do you have anything that's top of mind? Oh my gosh. Like a beauty product or just like. It's pretty bad. Oh, life product. Um, oh man. What am I loving right now? It's like so hard. I'm just trying to think of like, I'm actually literally going to go in my bathroom and look at like what beauty products or skincare products I'm using right now. Cause I, uh, kind of like the worst about that um I got let's see I don't even know how to say this brand oh man it is immense organic skincare I think Mm -hmm. I think that's how you say I'm not sure um and I don't work with them I just got them from a spot here that I go to and it's a citrus and kale potent vitamin C and E serum and it smells like heaven and it's one of the few serums because I have really oily skin it's one of the few serums that doesn't either dry out my skin or make me break out and get more oily it's like almost like this liquid dropper and it just gives you like the first thing I missed from you know once my hormones crashed after pregnancy was my pregnancy glow Mm -hmm. Um, and it just gives you that glow back it's like the best stuff it's pricey but it's like will last you like all year and it's just absolutely amazing so that's probably my favorite product right now love I'm obsessed with serums I talked about a serum last week on yeah the episode yeah um and then our other tidbit of the week is we like to talk about a pop culture item and today I just read on Twitter that the Disney channel is going to have their first gay main character show and I mean I'm super excited about that I like grew up on Disney Channel me too and just I'm super excited that like they're expanding and showing folks of all different types mm-hmm. yeah did you grow up yeah. or are you do you consider yourself a millennial <laughs> sure <laughs> um what I remember was Beauty and the Beast. Remember how they said Gaston was the like was a gay character? Right. Uh, not Gaston. Sorry, not not Gaston. His little right hand man in the new Beauty and the Beast, the remake with oh. one of the Emmas, is like was supposed to be gay. Like they like came and they're like, oh no, he's gay. I think it's like really interesting. Like I love that, but also I was like, I can't wait till we live in a world where we don't have to like address if someone's straight or gay. It's like not a big point of conversation that everyone just accepts everyone who they are and it's not like oh this person's straight or this person's gay or this person's whatever and it's just this acceptance and doesn't have to be this really lovely when folks don't have to be defined by everything yeah I know I know it was interesting it was kind it was just interesting from you know my friends who are gay that when they saw that they're like I don't understand like why this had to be 
like this big deal of like them announcing this and making this big announcement like publicly thing they're like well I mean they're like they're like I saw the movie obviously he is like it's very like they're like but I don't understand like why there was like this big like sort of like press release thing on it like I can't wait till that's just like it is what it is and I was like yeah I was like that'll be that'll be nice like that'll be the day um but I don't like does Disney's all like live action shows right no oh gosh I don't Um, even know I with like people (laughs) you're right my friends that have kids uh I've talked to them about Disney recently and I'm pretty sure it's like all live action now. Yeah, I know you're right. Yeah. Every time I turn around, yeah. a new Disney star, and then they have a record album, and then <laughs> I know. And then they go to jail, and then they, uh, jail, and then they can make a uh, comeback. Yeah. No, but I think you know it's like obviously we all live in Oregon and are really progressive out here. Um, but if we think about the this this idea that there are folks in other parts of the country and other parts of the world that don't see, um, you know, having a gay character as, um, you know, it's, there's still plenty of folks out there that need a bit of an education. And so hopefully somebody like Disney who has a huge audience can help to change the narrative. Talk about influence. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. They I remember when they just, um, oh, what is it? Sorry, I'm like overlapped thinking, talking out loud. Um, no, I just remember when they got like Demi Lovato and Selena Gomez, they were on shows. I, I don't know the name of the shows, but I like to me as, you know, being Latina, like seeing other Latina strong, like females, like featured as main characters on Disney was, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. And like I felt like that was also like a turning point because I mean even just the country the way it is now (laughs) this like big (laughs) misconception about everything um you know like it's been interesting to watch them like take those strides and like just sort of you know just not try and fit in this mold of you know we're just this goody two-shoes sort of yeah all white situation right agreed yeah. that's not what america really looks like no <laughs> um, slowly very slowly we're trying to be more representative of folks as a whole mm-hmm. and not just who they themselves might see and i th- i really do think that it requires people of all different faces being in the room when these kind of creative production meetings are happening and when things are being pitched because Mm -hmm. it's hard to see outside of yourself and that's just normal um and it's hard to you know like with the uh pepsi commercial with kendall jenner scandal it's like oh my gosh yeah everyone in the room was white yeah, there like, was no, there was no ability for them to actually understand why this was not acceptable. Yeah, because there, right. there really wasn't anybody in the room that actually had it, had experienced mm-hmm. racial tensions in America or has a has an idea of what the folks that they're trying to represent go through. I think it's about getting diversity in the room. Mm-hmm. Who's the yeah? Who's making the decisions, right? Um, well, that's the funny thing too, is like people, what is it? Like, I think people forget that everyone's like Kendall Jenner should have known better, but I think people kind of forget that Kendall Jenner is white. Right. <laughs> she isn't like, she is like, um, what's her name? The mom is white. I think she's like, I don't remember, but she's white. And you know, uh, Caitlin is, is white. So, I mean, it's not like Kendall's ever dealt with racism in that set I mean maybe in a sense of like people assuming but like she was raised in a pretty much mostly white community I grew up in the same area that she was raised in Calabasas that's where I was born and it's like all white people so you know like a lot of people like kind of like grew back on her like she should have known better I'm like no she's pretty oblivious to this yeah when and and too when you grow up white and adding that layer of of extra privilege right because Calabasas is pretty um high income earners 
and obviously oh, yeah. Kardashians are even even in, into a smaller bracket. You know, it she has she's had her entire life or most of her life not a whole lot of interaction with folks that um don't have what she has. So right. You know, even if she it, it's not just because she's white, it's because she's privileged and and yeah, it all coming from a place of being a white privileged girl, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I rec, I think it's important to recognize what we do have and to sit and listen to folks when they have something to say. Sit down and listen, right? <laughs> Shut up and listen. <laughs> exactly. Um, awesome. Well, that really wraps up, you know. Most that's of the, millennial. that wraps up. That's the millennial for the most part. <laughs> you are the best for being our first interviewee for our podcast. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? And then also let our listeners know where they can find you. Um, I mean, there's not a lot to add, except I cannot wait to take a shower after this. <laughs> um, um, and you can find me. I just changed my IG handle. Uh, to my name, Nicole Barone, N-I-C-O-L-E-B-U-R-R-O-N. And then my blog is ohsolovelylife.com. But the oh so has the little dash in it, which I know is probably not translatable very well on a podcast, but that's okay. If they follow me on Instagram, they can find my blog through that. (laughs) Um, And yeah, that's it. Thanks for interviewing me. I hope I didn't say like and um too much because that's a pet peeve of mine, but I do it consistently. You know, we we are millennials, so we all say like and um too much. You always hear it when somebody else is saying it and never hear it when yourself is saying it. That's right. So true. So true. (laughs) That's like so true. So true. (laughs) Thanks, Nicole. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.